Brinhanda, good afternoon and welcome back to another episode of the Fairly Unorthodox podcast. So far, we've talked about transferable skills and entrepreneurship, but today we're bringing you something a little bit different. You may have seen the headlines that Younger Solutions has become the 100th member of the Cyber Resilience Centre for Wales. So it seemed like the perfect opportunity to talk to Paul Peters, Managing Director at the CRC, to find out why cyber resilience is such an important topic for small businesses in Wales, and also what kind of career opportunities exist in this rapidly evolving industry. So let's get stuck in. Really good to see you, Paul. Good to have you with us. So I suppose to kick off, for, for anybody who might be completely clueless about this, can you explain a little bit more about what cybersecurity is and why it's so important? Yes, good afternoon, uh, Jessica, and, and thanks for having me on your podcast. Um, I guess for me, um, cybersecurity is about protecting yourself for, against a cyber attack. Um, and I guess if people sort of wondering what, what a cyber attack is, there's lots of different um, types. So in simple terms, it's about ensuring that nobody takes over your email account, for example, um, that you don't fall victim to uh, what's called a phishing email. It's about protecting your data from being stolen or encrypted or even preventing your website from being taken down because all these things can have a significant effect on your business, whether through loss of business, uh, productivity or even you know having to pay a ransom. So, so I guess that's what I would sort of term cybersecurity as. No, I think that's really, really helpful for listeners. And I suppose in this day and age as well, it's a case of your whole kind of world is interconnected through digital means, isn't it? So, you know, if, if a hacker gets hold of one password, I suppose they can, you know, probably if you've not been smart about it and you're not using sort of password managers and things, they can almost get into every aspect of your life, be it your business, but also your personal life as well. It is. And I, and I think that's probably one of the key messages is that you need to have a different password for every every account you've got. You know, as you rightly pointed out, if you've just got one password for everything, because that's the easiest way to remember it, you are leaving yourself um, open to an attack and, and, you know, that vulnerability can be exploited. Certainly in the past, as an investigator of cybercrime, um, I'm aware that um, in one particular investigation where that was exactly the case, that their business password was the same as their personal password and their company fell victim to um, to a blackmail. And it's a really simple mistake to make, isn't it? And I suppose it's not just business owners either. It goes for all the kind of employees, whatever their level of knowledge, it's that message around passwords. And I suppose, you know, as small business owners, some of us probably get a little bit frustrated with some of that multi-factor authentication, but I'm sure you've got a few words for us on how important that is as well. Yes, it's a really strong way of protecting yourself. Um, and if, if I give an example, we were talking to um, somebody from the insurance um, world and they were saying that they have stats that basically say that 75% uh, of the claims, the cyber insurance claims could have been prevented with multi-factor authentication. And so that really shows how, what a strong method it is to protect yourself. So yeah, totally uh, agree that um, we all get a little bit fed up waiting for that text to come through, but the reality is it's is, is seconds, isn't it? Uh, or going on to an authenticator, it takes seconds, it doesn't add much to our day, and it just provides that additional security. Absolutely. I suppose one of the challenges, you know, and I sort of, um, I think about my role at the Centre of Digital Public Services here in Wales as well, I think one of the challenges with multi-factor authentication is the infrastructure that we have in Wales. Um, so, for example, where I am right now, I can't receive text messages. And so that's why I get really frustrated with it. But I, I suppose there's, there's something about infrastructure and, and 
you know, if we're going to be using these technologies, making sure that we've got the, I suppose, the, the means to be able to use them. Because I suppose for many, particularly small rural businesses, that's, um, that can be a real problem. Okay, so fantastic. I mean, Paul, tell us a little bit about yourself, because um, I'd love to know sort of a little bit about your background and also sort of what led you to setting up the centre and some of the work that the centre's doing. Okay, so I've been a police officer now for almost 27 years and I do have a, a background as a detective. I've been a detective for most of my career. Um, that was in the Metropolitan Police Service and then I transferred back home to um, South Wales Police. And probably, I think it was 2014, um, I'd been working uh, on a murder team for five years or so and um, an opportunity basically came up um, to join what was then the Regional Cybercrime Unit. It was literally being created at the time, so I, I applied for that, was successful. I spent five years then um, investigating cybercrime um, across Southern Wales. So. Um, yeah, that, that's what brought me into sort of uh, the cyber world. And then after going back in, uh, to my force for a year or so, uh, the opportunity to sort of set up the Cyber Resilience Centre came along uh, and I jumped at the chance. So what's the Cyber Resilience Centre? It's, it's basically a partnership between the police, uh, the private sector and academia. So I'm, I'm a serving police officer and this is my full-time job uh, running the Cyber Resilience Centre. I've also got a detective inspector uh, who assists me in that. And our aim is simple, it's basically to raise cyber resilience across Wales, but we've got a particular focus on supporting SMEs, micro-businesses and the third sector. Um, and we offer a free core membership, um, there's no obligations to, to pay us. With the membership, we provide material from the National Cyber Security Centre, which includes things like a board toolkit, small business guide, we also provide the little book of cyber scams uh, and a monthly newsletter where we try and comment on um, little aspects of your cyber security that you can improve using a non-jargon uh, approach because we, you know, we recognize that um, often when you talk to the IT specialist, they can almost talk in a different language. So we focus on making it really simple, really easy to understand. Um, and we've also recruited 13 students from across Wales to provide baseline cybersecurity services at a discounted rate. Um, we don't just release them into the wild, so to speak. We do, they are sort of properly supervised by ethical hackers. But it's an opportunity there for small businesses um, just to take that first step into, you know, checking whether their website has any vulnerabilities, uh, for example, or checking that they've got the right um, policies in place. So it's an opportunity there um, to sort of take that first step at a discounted rate. If, if we actually discover a vulnerability, um, then we've also got what we term trusted partners and we can refer our client to those trusted partners. Um, and they are made up of those companies who are authorized to accredit something called Cyber Essentials uh, and Cyber Essentials Plus, which is, um, which is a, a certification for cybersecurity. So, so that's what the center's about. Um, we do have um, options, where, um, membership options for which you can pay. Um, and we do have a number of companies now who are looking to align themselves with us there. Um, but the, the key message is, is that our core membership is free. So if you're a small business, a micro business, um, sign up and um, you know see what we provide and, and we're there then to support you. I think that's a really good message isn't it because again for, for lots of small businesses particularly non-tech kind of small businesses 
who don't have that expertise in cyber to take those first couple of steps they need that support don't they and i think that's what your free membership really offers is is an awareness of the support that's available and you know even of kind of cyber security in itself and what it means because i think it's one of those terms a little bit like digital you know what does it actually mean i think for a lot of people it can be a little bit of a black box um i suppose if you were speaking to a small business you know how would you how would you sell it to them how would you describe to them the importance of investing in their cyber security if it's not their core business i think i'd probably compare it to physical security so you know if if you're running a shop you you lock the doors you put you know you've got cctv there you you don't leave your money lying around you maybe put it in a safe and there's all these measures you put in place because because we're so used to sort of that physical security side well what i would say is you're more likely to be hit by a cyber attack than a physical attack um as a business so i think that's that should sort of signify how important it is um and how important it is that you sort of take simple measures to sort of reduce your vulnerability and you know i guess if you do fall victim to a cyber crime it can affect your reputation um certainly i've discussed with various businesses across wales who've fallen victim and it doesn't um enhance their reputation people may not want to do business with you as a result um there's concerns over whether you're protecting the data that you hold it can affect your business continuity so if you if it may affect your operations so if you're hit by ransomware attack for example i don't know if you're manufacturing something has it affected the manufacturing output um or is it all your client base um is suddenly encrypted and you know you don't have the details to hand and you know ultimately you may have to pay a ransom to get that back you know there's all these factors which which businesses i think need to think about and what we do at the center is really give a number of steps by which you can reduce that vulnerability so you know for example a ransomware attack if you are backing your data up um and ensuring it's not connected to your network then you can reload that data um and not have to pay a ransom for example so um and and you know there's lots of businesses out there that now rely on websites um you know and certainly through the pandemic i, th I think many of us spent a lot of time online um shopping and you know if your website goes down people may be turned to somebody else for that business uh, and and you lose it so you know i think it's really important for businesses to understand that and if i can just touch on another point as well so you know when you when you watch the news and you read about the latest cyber attack or hear about the latest um attack of a big business you know we we've heard lots of big businesses that have been attacked and and the press report on that but they don't report on the micro business and and the you know the SME that's based you know in in rural wales for example um that doesn't hit the headlines and and i think there's almost a sense of um oh it doesn't really happen here in wales but unfortunately that's not true the hacker doesn't target a particular uh, area you know a particular town or whatever or or quite often um probably not even targeting a particular business they're targeting the vulnerability and if you've got that vulnerability it may be you next i think that's really interesting isn't it because when we think about cyber attacks we think of you know the the worst kind of possible kind of cyber attack and they happen on a really really big scale and you know there's been lots of kind of large companies in the headlines for for being attacked but i suppose the message here is that you know to to some degree it's the smaller businesses who are you know equally targets aren't they because they have those vulnerabilities so they may not have necessarily the same 
kind of reputation or brand as some of these larger companies, but that doesn't make them any less a target. I think that's probably a mentality that some small business owners fall foul of. Have you got any advice around that? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess this, the simple steps that you can take, which will reduce your vulnerability um, by 75% is what the National Cybersecurity Centre advise. Um, and that's passwords. The first one is passwords. I can't, can't stress how important that is. The guidance that we give is use three random words. And then I would suggest you put in some, some numbers within those words and um, some symbols. And probably in Wales, we're quite lucky because we've got a language which most hackers don't speak. So stick in a Welsh word in there as well. Um, you know, password managers, we've mentioned an ideal way to sort of um, store all your different passwords. It just makes it so easy. And the way a password manager, uh, many of them work, is that um, if you then go onto a particular site, it won't just put the password in. It'll actually check you're at the right site. So if you were going to, you know, um, for example, Amazon, uh, but in fact, it was www.amazon um, with, with an E on the end or something. Your password manager will pick that up. Whereas if you're sort of, you know, we, we all have uh, busy lifestyles nowadays, you may not pick that up yourself. So, so you know, that, that's a real advantage. We mentioned multi-factor authentication. Uh, again, I would recommend using that, especially on uh, anything relating to, you know, your accounts or, or bank account and the like. Back up your data, we mentioned, um, it, it, I find it remarkable how many people don't back up their data. Um, and what we're finding when we speak to small businesses is some of them that do back up their data, they, they may be using a, um, a small, small hard drive to back their data up to, but they're leaving it connected. So if ransomware hits, that's connected, that will get encrypted as well. So it's little things like disconnect it. Um, and I guess, if you've got um, a, a number of staff, encourage them um, to actually understand what phishing emails are and the importance of passwords. Um, staff awareness is crucial because the majority of cyber attacks, certainly that I've investigated, were as a result of a staff member making a mistake uh, or having a weak password. So that's, that's a vulnerability. So the more awareness you can give to your staff, the better. Um, and the other things, um, you know, make sure you've got antivirus um, on all your devices and ensure that uh, you patch. So by patch, I mean, uh, you get the updates um, for various apps or software. And, you know, the thing around that is you have hackers out there who are looking for the vulnerabilities. And you also have some of these companies who pr produce the apps, they're also looking for the vulnerabilities. So it's a race. So, you know, if, if the companies discover there's a vulnerability, they'll send a patch out for you to update. Um, so if you don't do it, the hacker then knows that there is that vulnerability and you know there's certainly been examples um both of small businesses but also some big businesses that haven't patched and, and then found themselves on the wrong end of a cyber attack um and i guess the last thing would be is about protecting your devices so you know we, we all use laptops many people use their phones so it's ensuring that you've got the proper security on there really um so if you do lose it um that it, it doesn't make you vulnerable no, I think that's really, really helpful. And I suppose we've talked about the types of cyber security, security attack, whether that be, you know, ransomware, whether that be um, information fraud, whether it be phishing attacks. We've talked about some of the things that small businesses can do to try and prevent those attacks. I suppose I'm quite interested, particularly with your background in the police, Paul, you know, how common are these attacks in Wales? Do they get reported? 
I suppose, is, is my first question. Do, do people report this to the police? Do you know, this is a huge frustration. Um, if, if you look at official figures, they not, do not reflect the amount of attacks that happen to businesses across Wales. Um, so there's, there's a number of reasons for that. And I think, you know, as a business, uh, people are concerned about their reputation. Uh, it may be that they've actually solved the problem and, you know, just don't want to report it. This also, um, you know, certainly I've spoken to businesses who are concerned that, you know, if I tell the police, they're going to come in and take all my laptops or my servers and take them away and I won't be able to do business. And, and that's really not the case anymore. Certainly the, the approach we have in policing is that as a business owner, your number one priority is going to be to save your business. So we will work with you. Uh, yes, we want to investigate that crime, um, but ultimately we recognise that you need to save your business and ensure it survives going forward. So, you know, there's lots of reasons there why, why businesses don't report. What I would say is, so if, if, if we think about the way that, you know, the general public treat burglary. So if on a particular estate, there's a number of burglaries, they get reported. And when they get reported, the police will look at that and they'll think, well, hang on, there's a little bit of a trend there. So we need to do something about that. So they may put extra uniform patrols there. There may be some unmarked cars driving around. They may uh, engage with the council and get some CCTV. Um, there'd be crime prevention officers encouraging people to sort of increase their security. Uh, there may be extra lighting put in by the local councils. There's all these different things that will happen because people have told the police. So if you don't tell the police, those things don't happen. And, and, and that's what I say with cybercrime. If you don't tell the police, then they don't know what's happening. So they don't devote sufficient resources um, to actually combat that problem um, because, you know, people have got to make decisions based on figures. So my plea is if, if you are hit by a cyber attack, please tell the police and work with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose even if that cyber attack has been resolved through whatever means, or even if it was in a, a potential cyber attack, I suppose that the message is still the same. Report it to the police so that resource can be allocated correctly and so that, you know, things can be done to prevent it happening to other, other businesses as well. I think that's an important point because one of the questions I often get asked is, can you catch these hackers? Yes, we can sometimes, but not all the time. Certainly one of my investigations, um, we, we identified that the, the hacker was actually living in Thlenethly, um, you know, quite local. But we've had other investigations where we've gone as far as we can, and it's clear that the hackers are in a jurisdiction that doesn't cooperate uh, with the British uh, law enforcement. But what we've been able to do, so I'm thinking about one particular investigation, was we worked with a um, another country and they provided us with a server that the hackers were using um, and from that we were able to identify thousands and thousands of businesses across the world whose email accounts have been compromised so then we're able to sort of share that uh, with sort of law enforcement uh, in the various countries and throughout the UK who can make a visit and actually say to that business look are you aware that your email network has been compromised you need to change your password because if you haven't been hacked yet you're likely to because you're on the list. So that's really interesting. I mean, do you think it's possible that a business can be hacked and maybe not realise they've been hacked? Yes, it is. You know, um, it's lots of different types of hackers, but certainly some, some hackers will breach a system, uh, breach a network, and they'll sit there and they'll watch uh, and they'll wait for the right time to strike. The question is, if somebody thinks they might have been hacked, if there's the possibility, maybe they, they've um, they've had a phishing email 
and maybe they clicked on it but didn't seem to do anything and they're not quite sure if they got away with it what advice would you give them in in that situation because I, I suppose that the chances are they have been hacked and as you say that person's sitting there in stealth mode waiting for the right moment so what's your advice to those people I think the important thing is if you think if you've clicked on a uh, what you think is a phishing email um, if you work for a um, a business uh, or an organization is, is tell the IT department um, so they can then sort of uh, potentially scan the network to see if there's anything that shouldn't be there. Um, and the important thing is, is that we encourage people to actually own up to it and say, yeah, I, I, I just clicked on something I think I shouldn't have. Um, because if, they, if, if there's consequences, um, you know, the, next time they won't say it if they've done something wrong. And the importance is, is that we get people to actually say what, what they've done. Um, and I guess coming back to the point of people sitting uh, within a network and waiting um, and, and the organization not knowing, certainly we spoke fairly recently with an organization where um, they, they were breached as a result of clicking on a phishing email, but did, hadn't realized it was a very well-crafted phishing email, thought no more of it. Um, and it was actually the, um, the managing director of that particular organization. And when she then went on leave, that was the moment they chose to use her account to send an email to the finance um, department and say, I need this payment made. So the person receiving that email, all, all they really saw was the fact that uh, an email had come from their boss. And so, yeah, it, it is something that people do. So, it, you know, I would certainly say regularly scan your network. Uh, and and if, you, if you think you've fallen foul of a phishing email, um, seek advice about it. Wow, that's, that's a really, really powerful example, isn't it? And it shows how we're all really quite vulnerable. Um, wow, yeah. I think the point you made around um, employees owning up to maybe clicking on something they shouldn't have, I think that's so important because if we punish people, you know, everybody makes mistakes. And, and, and some of these emails, they look really genuine, don't they? And, and they pass the spam filters. And, you know, if you're just busy in the office and you're just clicking through things and you, you know it's from somebody or you think it's from somebody who you know it's a really really easy thing to do and I think small business well all businesses in fact need to be really really careful not to punish people you know I know lots of particularly large organizations they run phishing campaigns don't they and they see how many people click on it and you know yes that's great in terms of, of measuring your cyber resilience but I think we have to be careful with the messaging around that and just making sure that we are creating a culture where people are you know, open about it and people make mistakes and the business isn't going to punish them for that, but they need to know about it because if there is a potential issue, it needs to be dealt with. Yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right. And again, I think that's around staff awareness, uh, educating your staff about it. Um, and and you, as you, you rightly say, everybody makes a mistake. And, you know, I, I'm thinking more of, um, you know, the SMS, the text messages now that uh, we probably all get saying that the parcel has been delayed, you need to contact somebody or other uh, to arrange re-delivery. Re and um, I don't know if you're the same as me, but it feels like every day there's parcels arriving at my house at the moment. And, um, you know, it's, it's, again, busy lifestyle, it's easy. It's easy to make that mistake. So um, increasing awareness is, is crucial, I think. Um, and, and as you say, if you do make that mistake, you've got to own up to it. Um, so something can be put in place to prevent any sort of further damage. Because if you try and cover it up, um, the consequences will ultimately be worse. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, so I'm quite interested, I suppose, again, in, in you, Paul, and how you've 
sort of transitioned your career and going from being on a, a murder squad to setting up a cyber resilience centre is is quite a jump. I mean, you've obviously got some really good transferable skills. Um, but I mean, what does a typical working day look like for you now as managing director of CRC? I don't think there is a typical day. Um, it feels like every day there's a, a, another challenge, you know, certainly coming from a policing background, uh, getting to grips with marketing, the accounts side of things, um, tax, uh, VAT and the like, you know, is, is, is very different um, to my earlier career. Yeah, we, we, we have different sort of, um, when you talk about problems, I guess, our focus is in really engaging with small businesses, micro businesses. And I, and I think um, the difficulty we have is actually convincing them, one, as we said, this does happen in Wales, two, it does happen to those small businesses, um, and, and trying to get them to understand the risk. It's, you know, it's, it's a real pleasure sometimes when you see the penny drop. So, for example, we were, um, we were at a business club last week. I won't say where and I won't say who I was talking to, um, but we were discussing passwords. And, you know, you do get people who use password one, two, three, but quite often it's a pet's name. Uh, and when we were discussing this, um, this particular lady, um, she went bright red and went, oh, my God, I use my pet's name. <laughs> um, but... And, and, you know, as a result of that, she's now changed her passwords uh, or certainly informed us she was going to go and change her passwords um, and start using the sort of three random words. Um, so it's, it's little things like that. So it's, it can be hard work convincing people. But when we do, um, you know, it, it's really good to see. And I think the other sort of real challenge we have is, you know, there's been a pandemic. We've had lockdowns. Um, you know, that's affected businesses massively. Um, and I totally get the fact that a business owner is going to want to prioritize getting back on their feet. Totally get that. Um, and, you know, we hear about other sort of you know, variants in the mix and, you know, people concerned about will there be another lockdown in the future? And so talking about cybersecurity just doesn't hit their priority list, whereas I would say it should be um, on their priority list, because if they can take those simple steps that, you know, already spoken about, you know, you, you can protect yourself uh, massively. Um, so I think it should be up there as a priority. Um, the, our job in the Cyber Resilience Centre is con to convince businesses that um, that they need to treat it as a priority. I think, well, as you as you said at the start, really, you know, you wouldn't go to bed at night and leave your doors unlocked, would you? Most people wouldn't anyway. So why, why leave your business unlocked to a exactly. cyber hacker? Um, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense when you put it in those sort of simplistic terms. But I think you're absolutely right. I think it is around education. And I suppose that's really the role of the CRC, isn't it, to, to kind of educate um, small business owners, but also, I suppose, sort of employees. And I really like what you're doing as well around giving students opportunities to work with real businesses in a live context on some of these really critical issues. I mean, could you could you just tell us a little bit about how that program works? Um, so, yeah, we, we went out to um, Welsh universities. It was a, a recruitment programme. There was a number of um, interviews in that process. And, uh, and it, was, it was real a real challenge to actually whittle it down to 13 students, to be honest, because the quality of the students was, was so good. Um, and our aim was to recruit 10, uh, but ultimately we couldn't actually get it down to 10. So we've got this... Um, we got the 13 students, they're currently um, just signing off a number of contracts and we'll be sort of delivering our student services probably in the new year now using those students. So I think it's, 
I think it um, really sort of helps the, the talent pipeline in Wales. Um, I think it gives them an opportunity to work on real life uh, projects. And that's got to sort of assist them for when they leave university, that they've actually got real world experience that they can sort of say to potential employers, look, I've already done this working with the Cyber Resilience Centre for Wales. So, um, yeah, I, I'm uh, a massive fan of that sort of uh, project and sort of helping students get that experience and we've also done similar with um with business students as well so we've brought in some business students into the center uh, to assist with um sort of client engagement and again it gives them that sort of real opportunity to sort of engage with real clients and you know we saw their confidence sort of um blossom you might say over over the weeks um as they become more confident dealing with clients you know happy to sort of provide suggestions then and you know it, it's really good to see people develop like that Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, for a, for a student doing that kind of work experience, it's really going to set them apart, you know, on, on their CV, but actually more than that, because as you say, what happens is that that person builds confidence. They learn to deal with the different challenges thrown at them in a workplace. And, and also, I think they often develop a passion for things that they didn't know that they'd be interested in. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a brilliant program. That I love the work that you're doing to connect small businesses with that sort of talent pipeline in cyber. And I suppose on that note, for anybody who might be interested in moving into cybersecurity, whether it is, you know, a young person who's picking their, their kind of A-levels or their university choices, or whether it's maybe somebody mid-career and looking for a change, I mean, what sort of advice would you give them about getting into cybersecurity? I, th I think there's a number of different ways to, to get into cybersecurity. Um, you know, we've got some excellent educational establishments in Wales, you know, in, in the field of cybersecurity. So, you know, I guess the obvious traditional way would be going through a university degree course um, and then coming out the other end and getting a job. But, you know, there's also opportunities in Wales for apprenticeships. And I was actually talking to somebody recently at a business club who right now runs a, a tech company. Uh, and they started basically on the shop floor, helping out um, because they knew a little bit about computers, worked their way up, got a full-time job in, in um, sort of IT and cybersecurity, and then ended up forming their own company. So they're almost self-taught. I mean, they, they've obviously attained professional qualifications in cybersecurity now. Um, so, they, you know, there's different ways of getting into cybersecurity. And, you know, even myself, in you know, policing, um, this opportunity is to get involved and, you know, this we have the regional cybercrime unit and uh, we have Welsh police uh, cybercrime units. So there's opportunities there. So you don't necessarily have to be a police officer um, to sort of join one of those units. They regularly sort of advertise for different roles, whether as an investigator or as what we term a protect officer going out talking to uh, the communities. Um, so there's opportunities there as well. So there's this, are, I think there's a wide range of opportunities. And, you know, I, I find it a fascinating sort of area, uh, which, you know, develops and changes and, you know, you, you, you learn about so much stuff, which um, you thought you know, maybe that only happened in the movies or whatever, but actually there's some pretty good, um, pretty experienced guys out there um, who are actually defending companies as well. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. And I think the other interesting thing, you know, Wales has obviously got a bit of a specialism in terms of cyber and we've got the cybersecurity apprenticeships, which you mentioned. And I think they're a really great way for people of all ages and stages of their career to kind of get involved in cyber. But I think the other really good thing is this is an evolving space, right? This is quite, a, I suppose it's not a new discipline. It, it's been around, but it's suddenly gaining more traction. And 
you know, the education system hasn't necessarily caught up with that yet. But I think that provides quite a good opportunity for people to get into it in different ways. Um, so, for example, we've got a, a graduate who joined us as a, as a front end developer. Um, so doing kind of web development. And within a couple of weeks, we sort of had a sit down and he said to me, you know, Jess, I really, really want to do cybersecurity. I've always wanted to do it. I don't know how to get into it. You know, is, is there any way you can support me? And we supported him through um, a sort of short, it's like a six month CompTIA course with Cardiff and Vale College. And it was really, really easy. It was free as well. That's the other really great thing. So a lot of these courses are free and it was really easy to get him enrolled on that. And he's absolutely thriving in it. And now it's a case of giving him opportunities where he can put some of those skills into practice. So yeah, it's a really, really exciting time for cybersecurity. And I think there's opportunities for, for anybody, as you say, to, to want to get involved in that. So I suppose final question then, Paul, is, you know, for, for many of the small businesses listening to this podcast, how can they get in touch with the CRC? How do they best engage with you? If they go to our website, which is www.wcrcentre.co.uk, that gives information about us. It has a contact us page. You can sign up for membership there. Um, and it has uh, free material there that you can download. It's also got useful sort of uh, links as well to the National Cybersecurity Centre or to Action Fraud, which is the way you report cybercrime in the UK. Um, it also gives um, some information about those involved as well in, in the um, company. So there's lots of information there and that's probably the best way to contact us. Fantastic. Well, it's been really, really great talking to you, Paul. That's about all we've got time for in today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, please share it with someone that you know. And if you'd like to share on socials, please tag us. We're on Yungo underscore solutions and you can find us in all the usual places. This episode was produced by Fairly and Orthodox and we appreciate all of your support. Hope you have a wonderful day. Nostar, good evening. Bye bye.